What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode was brought to you by Alpha House of Fashion. Specialists in African and English wear, wedding gowns, corporate wear, embroidery designs and logos. Baseline Media Intellects. Bringing your vision to life with lighting, sound and rigging. All to a professional degree. And Batch by Zara. Generous servings of authentic Pakistani burfis, brownies, and bakes at an unbeatable price. Enjoy. Inna alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salam ala rasulihi al-mustafa wa ala ibadillahi al-ladhina tada wa man bihudahu man ihtada wa bi athari ahli al-madina tuqa wa ba'd Fasalamullahi ala al-qawm ahlan wa sahlan bikum Welcome to episode 5 of season 3 of the Scholar and the Student podcast, Botswana's first Muslim podcast. I'm your host once again, Mustaqim Habib Al-Maliki, aka Moss. And today we have another neighbor of ours from the neighboring country of Mzanzi of South Africa. We have someone who happens to be a Maliki like myself. I think he's the second Maliki we have had on this show and it's interesting because the first Maliki was Momodu Tal, and he is practically the reason why I even got to know of this brother today because he had a an episode with him on the Malcolm Effect, which is something everyone should definitely check out. And today he has agreed to generously grace us with his presence. Brothers, sisters, please join me in welcoming to Botswana all the way from Johannesburg, brother Nkazimulu. Muyeni, assalamu alaikum, brother. How are you doing tonight? Yes, wa alaikum salam, warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this platform. Thank you for you know inviting me and extending just just this this space and allowing me to be part of this community. I'm looking forward to being a part of this. You do some amazing work of seeing some of the work that you do alhamdulillah you know um i feel like such platforms are needed here in southern africa you know more muslims need to create such platforms where we engage in dialogue and, and get to understand um islam and um how we can navigate ourselves as muslims within the space in southern africa so yes thank you my brother Mr. Uh, shukran brother for those kind words and I love how you tied everything into Southern Africa and our region and Islam. Before we go any further, could you just give 
the viewers a little glimpse into who is Brother Nkazi? Who is Brother Nkazi Mulumweni? Because I can say a lot about you. I mentioned that you also follow the Maliki Madhab, such as myself. You mentioned whilst we were messaging. You are also in the same field as me. We both studied law and you are a corporate lawyer. There's something going on in your life called Khaseriti uh, Legal Services. Would you like to give us a glimpse into how you got to where you are today? Tell us what is your life story? Okay. Um, yes. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm a Zulu man who comes from a very small town in the east of Johannesburg called Springs. I grew up there, um, born and bred. And um, from the uh, through the influence of my father, who was a member of the Pan African Congress. Um, very active during the apartheid regime and he uh, was amongst those who went to exile during during that era so i come from a very politically uh active household you know when we were kids the stories would get to to be told all the things we got to talk about were and the heroes we knew were people the likes of robert mangalisa subukwe uh the likes of steven bantubiko you know, the, 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 the likes of Jeff Masemula, all your Pan-African Congress people, obviously now leading to, you know, um, 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 Africa, your, your, your Nkwame Nkrumah, your Mwariri, Chulas Nyerere, Mwalimu Chulas Nyerere, you know, uh, just broader spectrum of understanding Africa in a sense of, uh, as a one um, one continent, right? One space that is just trying to get rid of this evil called colonization. So this is a home, and this is the background, and this is the is 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 the childhood I come from, you know. And then with a blend of that, then uh, my father having to be in exile and coming from a background of. Um, into exile in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, being exposed to Islam there, you know, and being ex exposed to, to, to the way in which Islam has actually liberated people, even within the structure of colonization, but they were able to be themselves, be uh, uh, conscious, be um, very aware and alive and active. So eventually my father became a Muslim and then we all then uh, grew up as born and grew up as Muslims. It was a very interesting upbringing because I come from a predominantly Christian family and predominantly Christian community. So although I was a Muslim, um, I was a Christian in, 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 in practice in, 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 in the family activities, family functions, gatherings, celebrations, all those type of things. You know, because of the of 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 a very our family was we all grew up under Goko grandma's home, so we all then were like living in a very cosmopolitan household where the one grandmother or the one aunt is Umzayon, which is like a a a, a, a ZCC, which is like a, a type of church within Christianity, you know. Um, so another one is Pastor Zayona, another one is ZCC, another one is pressing actual traditional 
Sangoma, uh, uh, traditional beliefs, indigenous African spirituality, if you want to call it that way. So I got exposed to all of these things, you know, being a Muslim. So um, then eventually I went to a Muslim school, which is called Springs Muslim School, which we had, I, I, I attended uh, since grade one up until grade 12, where I matriculated. You know, uh, it's eventually when I then, at the point of my life, I decided I want to study law because I felt like um, I felt like law is one of the key uh, spaces in which we can find a way in influencing, participating, and being active within the space of change of activism within the change of of whatever you call it, revolutionary radicalism, whatever I was, you know, because I was filled with all of this information. I mean, I just, I just read Malcolm X's biography, so I was on fire, you know, I just, I, I wanted to do something and do it in a very radical way. So that's why I chose law in that um, space and exposed to different uh, activist groups within varsity. You know, I joined places, um, I joined spaces like the Muslim Students Association, which is the MSA. I, uh, I joined spaces like SASCO, which is the South African Student Congress, the ANC Youth League, became active in these spaces. And, uh, but still trying to navigate myself and my identity as a Muslim. Hence, I always say, even if you are born a Muslim, you still need to convert. Uh, you know, because you are born a Muslim, you 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 take it for granted. It's the only thing you know, right? Until all of these other spaces and all these other uh, different alternatives come to question what you know, then you start to learn, navigate, and find yourself within the space. You know, and start as actually why I am a, why I'm a Muslim, why the Maliki have the madhab, why Hanafi, why Shia, why are there all these different spaces, why are there all these uh, different uh, um, um, what can I say, uh, expressions of who and what is Islam, you know, so I had to then learn and teach myself. Uh, yeah, and so from there, in trying to navigate all of that, I got married at 19, right? Um, got married, had a child when I was, I became a father when I was 23, while I was studying, uh, while I was a student, you know, and then <laughs> obviously at that point now, it it was no longer about you know uh, radicalism and free the people. It was just about I need to take care of my family. I need money. I need I need a career. I need and I need to be able to look after them. You know, and and from there, then I joined uh, a corporate law firm. I worked for them. Got exposed to quite vast experience in terms of you know corporate law and and, and the way in which um businesses navigate themselves in you know within the legal space in this country south africa and just the world you know and and what what was funny is that i found like that my history or my background or my upbringing was kind of like preparing me to actually understand what I was now practicing as a corporate lawyer, understanding from a sense of seeing how deep the system can go, you know, in, in, in creating a system to protect the rich, protect 
um, those who, who, who you know, uh, uh, have all of the other, protect those whose interest lies within, um, um, uh, you know, within, within the, the, the wealthy, you know, and use the spaces in which how law can be and was used as an instrument to actually further this narration and further this, this, this means. And then I had to not decide what type of lawyer I want to be because here I am at this place, this corporate law firm, getting a good salary, getting all these good things. But people who, you know, proximate to me, my own mother, my own aunt, they can't even afford me, can't afford my rate. So if anything could happen to them, how could I be able to possibly help them? If they find themselves in a situation where they are fired tomorrow or they find themselves in a situation where a company decided to retrench them, how am I going to help them? Because I'm always normally on the other end of the stick where I am representing the employer, you understand? So I said, what's the point of then being exposed to this if you can't help yourself and help those who are, who are around you, you know? Um, I find that anything that you do or commit yourself to should be a means of liberating you, of amplifying you, putting you in a better position so that even those around you can benefit from you beyond finances, beyond um, 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 standard of living, but just in the means of creating a better space for them, you know, through the through what you do. So those type of questions that started coming up for me. What type of lawyer you want to be? What, why are you a lawyer? What are you trying to do with it? You know, how are you going to use what you know for the benefit of your people? So that's how hostility came about, you know, trying to navigate myself within the space of law in which I could help uh, people who are close to me, help my people, people who look like me, people who are trying to, who, who, who are previously disadvantaged, we're just trying to make it, trying to break it within the system and, 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 you know, hopefully get a better standard of living and, and eventually, um, create a better opportunity for themselves and their families. So yes, the facility became a compliance, um, consulting firm where we help, uh, up and coming small and medium businesses become legally compliant, you know, if they're trying to apply for loans, if they're trying to um, try to transact, trying to merge acquisitions, you know, just making sure that they they compliant and are navigating their contracts well, they sign what they know, what's in there, you know, we help them facilitate these transactions, we draft contracts for them. We, um, we, we, we actually manage the whole case from, you know, uh, from the, from its beginning right up until the end. So, uh, because the, a lot of the small to medium businesses in South Africa, they get the opportunity, but they have, they don't have access to the knowledge, which a lot of these big companies have access to, you know, because of, 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 the, of, of the lack of resources. People are then not given information and um, that will enable them to make better business decisions so that's what we do we step in and play that role just helping them make better business decisions legally that will then you know uh, allow them to run their businesses successfully 
I hope I didn't say a mouthful, but pretty much that's what it is, and pretty much that's how I got here. Obviously, as we talk, we'll get into more details into that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, mashallah, very inspiring story over there from many different angles. And you answered some of the questions I had myself because I haven't been practicing long. I just finished my bar exams last year and currently doing what we call a pupillage, inshallah, that will be done in January. And then I get my full practicing certificate. I'm still on a provisional practicing certificate myself. And our biggest client, I'm not going to give away specifics, is also a stock exchange listed client. So I, on a daily basis, I'm seeing this, you know, I'm having to evict people from their places of business. And sometimes you've got people who come in in tears and there's literally very little I can do because, you know, I've signed that contract. The client of mine has signed the terms of engagement that I'm acting for him. And if this person in tears can't give me the money, then I'm really someone with my hands tied, so to speak. But I really liked how you decided that you're going to identify how there is this system which has over the years sort of protected the wealthy, the elite and all that upper class sort of echelon, if you will. And you identified a place that you can get in and still see how you can elevate the ones at the bottom of the barrel. I, I really love that. But then tying this back to a question I had asked you before we had started recording when we were still messaging um, I had asked you about socialism and you said that you wouldn't call yourself a socialist. Is that just because these terms, socialism, Marxism, are quite uh, loaded terms? Or you mentioned that you have your culture to guide you. So because you also mentioned people such as Kwame Nkrumah, who are more than a little bit influenced by socialism and socialist rhetoric. So how do you navigate that discourse? Yes, uh, that was an interesting question, actually. I had, to, I had to sit down and think about it, you know, because um, I think a lot of times we get to lose ourselves um, be to or into these classifications, you know. I'm a Marxist, I'm a communist, I'm a capitalist, I'm this and this socialist, you know, uh, and, and I find it very difficult to, to do, to call myself anything like that, or say I subscribe or ascribe to a particular um, um, view, because I, I, for you to say that, you have to understand it, and for you have to defend everything about it, and you have to abide to, the reason we call ourselves Muslims is because we abide to, you know, its tenets, as a governing principle in our lives, meaning we ascribe to. So, meaning uh, if whatever I believe and whatever Islam believes, Islam always, whatever Islam says will trump whatever I believe all the time. So, likewise, if you say I'm a socialist, I'm a communist, I'm a Marxist, you know, uh, or rather I'm a capitalist, you know, uh, it's the same thing. You have that, that is your governing principle in your life. Now, for me, I, I, found, I found it very difficult to navigate and understand these, these, these concepts, particularly because I feel like they were written from a perspective of uh, uh, people who wrote this or came up with this didn't have me or person like me in mind. People, person like, or person with my background, coming from my community, coming from the spaces I, uh, 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 that, 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 influence 
my life. Uh, I'm a Zulu man, right? And Zulu as a culture, right? Uh, and uh, ascribes to specific belief systems, specific uh, tenets, specific rules uh, that govern your life, you know? And those rules are in Africa were things that we lived by for a very long time until they were then disturbed by you know the the the, the invasion of the British, you know. So we we were we were we had these belief systems that governed our lives without an influence of anything, even even religion. You know, uh, it, it, it wasn't there to, to uh, it wasn't there to dis disrupt the progress of these tenets, right? So, and these people who came up with these rules, these governing rules, who, 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 who back in the day, your, your King Shaga, your King Sazan Kwana, your King uh, Dingiswa, your King um, Dingani, you know, um, even ancestors way before them, right? They came up with these customs way of living on the basis of where they are, on the basis of who they are, and the basis of what they know about themselves, right? And these are people who, are, who, who came up with these systems, these rules, these principles, you know, from a perspective that I find myself in, right? Hence, I say that um, um, I would identify with that more because these uh, are, the, uh, are, are the places I go to when I need guidance and understanding. I don't feel like Marx, Karl Marx had me, a black man, in mind when he was coming up with this understanding of what communism is or, coming, or, or trying to understand the space from the environment that he was in, right? He was looking at East, East European Right, and the way people live there, and the people, the way people govern themselves, and the way people, and the, and the way things were in terms of government and politics, but not necessarily, and, and their culture, the East European culture, and the East European um, tenets and belief systems, right? So he looked at from, that's why he could say religion is an opium of, of the masses. You know, he was speaking from a perspective of, of, of where he was. You understand? So, so now if I say I'm a communist, but I'm a Muslim at the same time, and the person who wrote this tenet or belief in the father of communism is saying religion is the OPM of the masses, how do I how do I balance these two? You understand? How do I navigate myself with this? Do I then look aside with from this, or do I have to now say, okay, he's right? I need to now be the one who I try and understand why he's right. You understand in uh, with what he's saying or this or this um 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 um, um view a perspective that he has. So I'm 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 a, uh, I am my life is governed by my culture by who I identify myself as. You know, um, everything about me is is understood through um what it was taught to me through my language. And that's another thing that plays a very important aspect is language, right? Um, I cannot describe to you or define for you what 
socialism means in my language. But I know what Ubuntu is. I know because that's my language. I cannot tell you what Ubuntu is in English. People say yes, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. It means no, but I can't explain that. I cannot explain the meaning because Ubuntu is actually, if it's too, it has a meaning on its own in my language. Because Ubuntu is something, right, that has a deeper meaning to us. That's why it's Ubuntu, Abantu, Ubuntu. It comes from somewhere that is influenced by who we are as the Bantus. You understand? So these are the principles that influence who I am as a black man and a black Zulu man. And I always say that there's a lot of things that we um, choose in life. We, you know, we subscribe to in life. But there are things that we were, that were chosen for us. I didn't choose to be a man. So I need to understand why. Didn't choose to be black. So I need to understand why the ones who made the decision for me best believe that this is the best way I can achieve the purpose they created me for. That when we had in mind to create Engazmulu, he has to be a black man, he has to be in South Africa, he has to be Zulu, he has to be born at this specific time frame. With these principles influencing his life. So I need to look into that which, which was chosen for me and understand it from that perspective. MashaAllah. Very, very insightful. So you've gone into depth of why you wouldn't call yourself a socialist or a communist. And I think it's a very justified and in-depth answer that you provided. But how would you respond to this that even if you don't subscribe to every single thing that Marx said, for example, so the quote about religion is the opium of the masses, you can still identify that some of the teachings of Marx or whoever else you have, Engels, that we can take them and still use them to poke holes at this system of oppression called capitalism or imperialism. And Marx is not our prophet, so we don't treat him as like a messiah or a religious figure, but we understand that we can use some of his teachings to further our goals and elevate the conditions of our people. That's my question to you. Yes, uh, that is an interesting question, you know, and um, I, I, I do believe, right, um, every... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I believe in this idea of an energy and something taking a spiritual understanding of what uh, people may call it the universe. Other people may call it God. Other people may call it um, the spirit of activism, whatever the case may be. But... Somewhere, somehow, we have a common understanding of what we want. And this thing, this idea, these, these ideas and these energies exist or manifest themselves in different ways. Likewise, um, they may manifest themselves in communism, correct? And um, they may manifest themselves in, in, in Ubuntu, which may say the same things or mean the same thing, or want the same thing, because I believe even this idea of Ubuntu, you know, can be find, found in, in, in the Native Americans, can be found in uh, the, the, the Mayans, even in Buddhism, even these same tenets that are expressed within these spaces are ideas that are there in our understanding of who we are as human beings. So when these ideas express themselves as um, you know, the people put the people first, or uh, uh, the way you know these tenets and, and principles of, of of communism or socialism that that everything must be state owned or everything. It's it's seen from a political spectrum, right? And I think and I believe that's why we lose ourselves in 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 navigating life through politics because. What politics is, is an expression or way of trying to understand leadership, understanding leadership and how that trickle down or navigates itself through the people that are governed by the leaders and what, and, and, and the land in which the people must live in. Now, in other spaces, this was done through a kingdom where there was a king or a queen, in other spaces where then there was a chief, in other spaces there's a president, in other spaces a prime minister. But in, in each and every way, it, it, the cycle keeps repeating itself. And within that space, we need to find our principles and values in which we live and govern ourselves, like a social contract that we all get into, in which we will not um, uh, affect or affect or trample on each other's rights. So when you see such principles and ideas expressed in communism, or socialism, not because they belong to communism or belong to socialism. It's nothing new, right? But they say it from a perspective or say it from an, uh, an understanding which is influenced by the, the environment and the spaces that they're in. That's why you cannot talk about communism and social, socialism without talking about capitalism. Something had to exist for either other one to, to, to be there, you understand? And um, when you look at communism outside of capitalism, Russia, China, look at the people who are governed within the spaces. The very same tenets of the selfishness, the greed that comes with what we say existing capitalism is found was found by leaders in China, leaders in Russia, you know, um, leaders in in Venezuela, for instance, and so in, in, in leaders in Cuba. You know, because ultimately what we 
are forced to do and with what you are told to do, which is something that is not what Islam teaches us, which is something that my culture is teaching, is that we separate the personality from his ideas. Rasulullah sallam was sent in an example, as an example, so that when beyond him preaching a principle, we see how that is implemented in his own life, which is why you must take him and put him and say, okay, if you're saying this, let's look at your life. What are, how you know how is this thing that you are preaching how does it exist in your own life for 40 years for 40 years before he became a prophet he was only living things he hadn't preached about he was known as an amin the trustworthy he had to be trusted by his character and by the way he so when he then comes and tells you something and can, then comes and tells you a principle then comes and preaches to you the oneness of god and muhabbat and brotherhood and all of these different principles and values intent you understand because it, you see the implement or the effect this energy or what his preaching has had or is uh, uh, um Person is, 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 is present in his own life. So that's why I say I struggle to separate Karl Marx, the person, from the ideas he preaches. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I need to understand Karl Marx, the person. You can't be a racist. You cannot have been a person who looks down on black people. You cannot be a person who was a misogynist. But then sit down and write these tenets, and we must accept them. You understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm Absolutely. not saying he's a prophet. I'm not saying he's a prophet. I'm saying that when the reason we look into Malcolm X's life is because we see, we look and say, okay, you are preaching this, but how much of that is 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 part of your life? When Malcolm X had to make a decision, when they say, okay, Elijah Muhammad was wrong, then what do you do? You speak of truth. Show us. Now he had a choice. He, he continues or he follows what he was constantly telling us. Choosing the true path. You understand? That is the idea and the reason why Allah sends prophets as an example for us. You, look, you, you, you understand? So for me, that's what I'm saying. I navigate, I, I try to understand these things from that perspective. To so say, if I'm going to say I'm a communist, or I'm a socialist, or I subscribe to socialism, or I subscribe to communism, or capitalism, or Marxism, or I'm a feminist, or any of these, it, uh, how much of those tenets exist or uh, 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 can be found in my life? MashaAllah, that's a very well detailed and in-depth answer once again so what is your advice then to someone maybe they are in university or just coming out of university they want to do something to elevate the common people and they want to get involved somehow socially politically and in light of the answers that you've just provided us tonight what is your advice to them in terms of starting what's the first step that they should take and obviously they shouldn't get caught up in this whole labeling game whether i am a communist or a marxist or a capitalist but yeah what should they do what's the first thing that they should do 
I think the first thing that you should do is to identify the problems that you are faced with, right? Because uh, problems that we, you as a person, find yourself. So you look at yourself as a black South African man. What type of problems I have? Those problems create communities, right? We, I belong to. If I have, if I'm a, I'm a, a black marginalized person there is a community of black marginalized people so if i then want to create solutions for uh the people without having a hero mentality want to save people how do i navigate deep how do i find the solution for myself how do i deal with myself i i, I, I believe everything starts with that i me right if I'm a corrupt person, how do I change it about myself? If I lie, how do I change myself? If I'm lazy, how do I, if I'm dishonest, if I'm selfish, if I, if I, um, you know, if there's certain problems or issues that I have spiritually, physically, emotionally, in, in internally, and on an external basis of the communities that I belong to, right? Problems in the community are coming from my hometown. You know, there's no running there. You know, I look within that space. There's issues of, of absent fathers. You know, there's issues of um, teenage pregnancy in my community. Beyond you having a hero mentality, look into yourself and the projection of the, the, the people who are like you. And once you solve the problem for yourself, you will then. Uh, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a micro level, then something that can be done on the micro level can be implemented at the macro level. But I believe that's where, that's the hardest part is dealing with yourself and understanding yourself and, and looking into yourself. But never, what, what, who are you as a, as a person, you know, um, in, in, in my culture? You know, um, in, in my culture, when you, as a Zulu man, um, look out, look to take a, a wife and, and have a kids and start a family, you know, um, if you want to go lower, a, a woman to bring to you your family, you know, you start with having to prove to yourself that are you able to. That's why before back then, then we say, "Oh, you you want to get men? Okay, here's these cows. Look after them, raise them. So if you're able to do that, you are okay. Now the next step, here's a hat. Look after this because you are you are training yourself. You are building as you're dealing with yourself and understanding yourself, right? So that then when you then involve other people and try to solve their issues, what what you are able to. I do it from a perspective or from a point of understanding the, the, the difficulty that comes with dealing with this problem because you've had to deal with this problem within yourself, right? If you're trying to deal with, if you want to help a liar stop lying, right, you must have done it for yourself. That, oh, but it's very hard for me to stop lying. So now you empathize, empathize with the next person who is a liar that's trying to stop lying. So likewise, if you want to deal with corruption, you know, it started in small, and people like to, to make these problems look like they're, they're huge, they're small. 
It starts with bribing a police officer. Stop that. You know, you want to complain about corruption, but you bribe a police officer, you bribe government officials all day. It starts with changing these small steps, small little things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. These minute things that we take for granted is within yourself. Because from there, then you're preparing your spirit. Because I always believe things, you know, um, um, like the saying that says, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are so, we are raw. That's who we are. Everything is done from that perspective. And you, if you understand the importance, the facility of what a roh is, that your soul was created way before your body, it means there's memories of, of, of a space where these answers that you seek for the questions you have spiritually will able, be able to guide you in a physical world in dealing with these things. Hence the Prophet he would go up to the cave of Hera, isolate himself, trying to understand himself. He wasn't, you know, always facing people being a hero. No, he was dealing with himself, understanding himself, facing himself. And that is the most difficult thing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That is the most difficult thing. And this political space and, and, and when we when we are... Uh, when we are trained to look at things, every, uh, to look at things or experience things from a political eye, we then lose the value of the spirit, right? How we lose that, I believe, is that um, you know the same things that yeah, this political, this politician is saying these good things, but you fail to look at him as a person. So now I can defend Julius Malema speaking about the poor. Is you know uh, uh, he speaks for the poor, but he's wearing a Gucci belt, and which is that doesn't matter to you. Was what's important is what he's saying. He then comes to the parliament wearing an overall and trying to show that he's representing the workers. Then when he's done with his job and he's knocked off that fight, he goes and lives the very same life that he's speaking again. We don't call out people on a personal, but we expect answers from them. We expect answers from leaders who weren't able to show us growth and maturity within themselves. What have they done for themselves in understanding themselves? We look towards people to build things for you. What have they built on for themselves? You understand? So that's what I'm saying. It, it is important to always understand when you when you enter the political space, you then need to, you then have to choose that am I now um, coming in, looking at it from a perspective of, you know, I'm in the political space and these things are political and, you know, these are just 
nice things and nice speeches and sermons that can be done where then we don't have to agree to win votes we need to just you know get give out free t-shirts and make fake promises like follow the system follow the pattern so for for the for ultimately what greater good do you believe uh, the voting system and all the type of you know giving into all of this you, especially for us as muslims how do we navigate how do we interpret these things knowing what we know or exposed to what we expose it's something it's answers i don't have it's things that i'm trying to navigate and understand myself my brother you know but i understand one thing for sure that um there's more than one way there's more than it's beyond politics it's beyond this class this this socialist communities beyond that to bring about change within the spaces that you find yourself in but it all begins with dealing and changing you yourself that is the hardest thing it's the hardest thing but that's why we we, 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 are, we are taught that and that's why islam is, is a very important part of who i am because it tells you islam says you know Yes, don't matter, doesn't, doesn't matter what you're doing at this particular time, go pray. Be honest. Don't take interest. Don't cheat. Don't steal. It has these tenets. Whereas politics is, you can, don't steal, but it's okay if you steal from the world. You understand? Because now we have to navigate ourselves because yeah we are still here in the political space so we need to certain things now that are morally incorrect they become right because of who is done to it's not mm. you understand that yeah it's like who, where do we find our, 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 our where do we look at in terms of the communist space or social space for accountability when we fail to adhere to these uh, tenets and principles and values of communism. Where do we, where do we, who do we look at? How do we look at interpretation of these things? Because what could mean uh, state government for you could mean something different for me. Because we interpret things from our own perspective and where we come from, right? Communism in Venezuela is completely different from communism in China. Communism in China is different from communism in Russia, but they're all communist and socialist, right? So, which one is right, which one is wrong? Mm. And, and, and that's what it, it, it boils down to. And you, you understand what I'm saying, my brother. So, yeah. I'm trying to understand these. So, if, so, in a nutshell, I'm still trying to understand the answers of someone who would ask me, what would you do? How would you plan about change? Because I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I believe, and this is where I still am, I'm not trying to bring about change anyway. I'm just trying to change myself and my brother is hard you know yeah. and, uh, like i just told yeah. you that you know we're in a legal space every day every day you know it's numbers game is money it's trying to drive a fancy car and 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 and, and, and live in a good house and be able to get the good deals and get, secure the great clients have you know get more billable hours you know how it is that's the yeah. jargon that's the language that's the mental but that's the that that's that's the space in which we navigate ourselves in. and you know how for you to succeed in that you have to assimilate 
Mm-hmm. You know, the more you assimilate and you get into these tenets, these principles, these values of how to do things, where it doesn't matter who and what you are evicting, you you have to do it because that's what your client wants. Exactly. And those are the numbers that speak. And it's the person who pays. You know, if you have to stop a strike, doesn't matter what, what, whether they write or wrong, your mandate, the terms of engagement, you have to stop a strike. And you do it. You know, you do it. And that's what is, is demanded from us. And you know that no matter how well-versed you might be in whatever the case may be, but because you're in that space, you have to operate with the rules of that space. So I'm saying now when you're in a communist space or you're in a socialist space, how do you navigate your, that space with their rules when you're coming in as a Muslim, as a black man, as a, 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 a Zulu man? That's what I ask myself. You understand? So I'm trying to navigate that. Care to savor some authentic Pakistani dessert? Fancy some brownies? Need a specialized package for a special event? Batch by Zahra has got you covered. Call or WhatsApp 74755678 and get your batch now. A generous helping at an absolutely unbeatable price. Attested to be absolutely tasty by us here at The Scholar and the Student. All right. That's where, where that's where the important change is. And if you can do that, if you can at least change yourself, I feel like, you know, we would be, uh, you would have done quite a lot as a, as, as a student, you know, um, because that's where it all starts and ends, honestly. Amazing. Another very loaded, in-depth and philosophical, beautiful answer over there. And... There's just so much to go over that. But I think one thing that we can bounce off to now is that you spoke a lot about community. So yourself growing up in South Africa as a Muslim, as a Zulu man, as a Zulu Muslim, who doesn't shy away from being Muslim, but at the same time, who doesn't shy away from uh, being Zulu, unapologetically so. So what are some of the um, challenges that you faced growing up as such a Muslim, a Zulu Muslim, who is proud of Islam, but at the same time is proud of his heritage and rightfully so. Because uh, not to sound um, somewhat incriminating, but for better or for worse, South Africa, in terms of the Muslim scene, especially in Botswana and amongst my peers, gets a bit of a bad rap because of some of the hyper-conservative elements of it, if we can even call it that. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be hyper-specific. But yeah, how do you navigate those spaces as a Muslim, have you received pushback from them for whatever reason? And uh, what is your advice to other people in similar situations? Uh, thank you for asking that question, you know, uh, because it's, it's something that we just as, as, as black Muslim community in South Africa are just trying to navigate and understand, you know, um, ourselves. And I don't know if you, you I'm sure, I'm not that I don't know, I know for a fact, because that's how, I mean, I, you got to know me, but I was speaking to Mama Dutal about this, you know, uh, in his uh, platform, uh, the Malcolm 
effect. And we spoke about, you know, this particular aspect of just trying to understand yourself as a black Muslim in a space where, um, you know, uh, Islam in Southern, I wouldn't, I'd say Southern Africa um, is predominantly Indian, you know, uh, uh, and it's predominantly uh, influenced by Indian uh, 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 culture. So, so many of us, majority of us, were not aware that, you know, other than Southern Africa, if you look at Africa as a whole, West Africa, East Africa, and parts of North Africa, Islam is associated with the black, with black people. You know, and it's then interpreted or experienced through the indigenous culture of those people. But in South Africa, Islam is predominantly experienced and interpreted and and um, expressed through uh, your Indo-Pak uh, communities, right? And that way, that is where then we find it difficult for us as um, black Muslims, right, to express ourselves and who we are, because a lot of the Islam we get is diluted by their culture, their principles, their values of where they come from. When you're India, Pakistan whether you are Muslim or non-Muslim, but those are your tenants to come. I mean, for a simple explanation, a kurta, for instance. You know, for a long time, we were taught to believe a kurta is a Islamic attire, but it's not. You know, it's not a dopey. You know, these, 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 these namaz, and these words, you know, uh, that, uh, that, that, that I use, you know, the uh, <laughs> rosa, you know, uh, instead of saying, of saying, you know, you understand. Yeah. These, these, you put the old words that have navigated themselves. I mean, to a point that uh, biryani <laughs> is very lovely, but biryani has become a very, it, it, it's become very, it's like, it's a sunnah <laughs> to have biryani. You know, to have biryani bir- 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 when you're breaking your fast or when you're uh, having an anika or whatever the case is, because and that's how it that, that's how it's explained. And I don't, I, I mean, I cannot, I cannot blame them. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because if you study that, how Indian people came to South Africa, you know, the indented laborers, laborers the British who said we are going to hire you to go work for us at uh, at the sugar plantations you know and they took them to there others came as businessmen who traveled you know but other, a majority of them came as indented laborers and when the contract ended right they the British is like okay the contract is done but now you know you can go back home and they're like where to where Go back to where because we're not going to there we are here right so and 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 then for me i also think it makes sense how then islam began waking in their identity but i'm um, not within the religion you know or or, or 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 creating a new identity for themselves apart separating themselves from the hindu in uh indians you know, um, which is something that started off in India itself, you know, which are your Bombay and all, all these different provinces, which are then on a greater spectrum became an India, Pakistan, where Pakistan is Muslims and India is, you know, so it became that on a greater spectrum, but hey, this thing trickled down to here in South Africa. So these are the politics in that space that trickled down to here in South Africa. So now when the Indian community in South Africa then created this community of Muslims, they didn't have us in mind. They would not have had us in mind. They don't have us in mind, right? Because they are creating a system in which they can and should and are trying to navigate themselves within the space, uh, an identity within the space of being in South Africa and trying to establish communities for themselves to grow and, 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 and prosper. Now, the tool at the forefront is Islam, right? Now, one of the things that Islam requires, Dawah, is to spread the teachings to everyone else, right? Bringing them within the fold. How it was done in for majority of uh, uh, the people who became Muslims in South Africa were black uh, is through, you know, this idea of feeding charity, is through this idea of um, um, sadaqah, you know, and it's through this idea of, of, of a, 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 not, not necessarily a trying to convince or, you know, trying to understand where your belief system is, what Islam is, no. But the people are hungry, you provide food, they become Muslim. It's as simple as it is, you understand? So, um, now, when you then become Muslim as a black person in South Africa, you are absorbed within the space absorbed but you're still in 
observer. That you absorb as in now you're Muslim, you're South African Muslim, but you're an observer because you are South African black Muslim. So the issue that still face black people in this country still affect you, right? The, 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 the socioeconomic issues, they still are applicable in your life as a black person. And um, you, 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 the, the authority, your jamiyat, your ulums, your darab ulums, your jamiyat, and all these spaces, which are, are the institutions of, of Islam, or your, you know, um, that, that hold uh, the narrative of what Islam is and teaches the alims and all of that, you know, they don't have us in mind and understand our culture, who we are, where we're from. They understand what we do, you know. Uh, it's not as in Botswana, like how you can speak. You, you hardly find a South African Indian who speaks a native language here, right? Because it's they, they, they are living as a community that is very secluded, like within this country, but still secluded, you understand? So now, uh, for me, I struggle because I went to a Muslim school. I know it firsthand, meaning I got to experience like the culture, right? That is then um, attached to the religion. And for a lot of times, those two are not separated. And if you don't know this together becomes religion to you. So a lot of Indian, Indo-Pak belief systems in terms of culture, the way they eat, the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, the things they do, the things they say, becomes religion to you, becomes Islam to you. Then you then lose your identity. You lose who you are. You lose understanding who you are. Because now it's haram to pray in your language. It's haram to understand and express yourself and see yourself to who you are. If you read hadiths, all of them, talking about how people, you know, who go to I mean, women who go to Jannah only if their hair grows long and cover their breasts. Black women's hair grows up. They don't go down and cover their hands there. Uh, so, so, you see, you know, when they describe the prophet, when they describe the, the people of China, they describe they are pale, they are beautiful, they are light and complexion. They're, you know, people in China, they are dark. And it's, it, you see yourself in the language that is used, in the spaces in which um, the religion says uh, those who, 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 you know, those who are considered uh, pious and holy, those who are the, the custodians of the religion in this, are not people who look like you. That's the first element. And the second element is that a lot of the community, since it's very secluded, and it treats, because of the relationship of we give you food, you are hungry, it then comes with, like I said, you know, personal things we have to deal with. People then racism, you know, um, um, very strong racism, very, very, very strong, you know, um, racism, and 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 then with that racism, the racism happening, 
our own communities, which are not Muslim, struggle to understand. How are you following a religion that preaches? Where do you people to hate people look like you? Because in our communities, which are not Muslim, the interpretation is Indians are Muslims. So Indians, what they do is Islam. You know, they will even tell you if you look at if you ask the, the aunties who are the helpers of you know so who get to share the intimate space of Indian Muslim community their families. They 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 have I have a friend whose mother was a domestic worker of a Indian family who was Muslim and his friend converted to Islam and his mother his mother disowned him and said the reason I'm disowning is because you're choosing a religion. A chosen religion that preaches hate towards us. These people mistreated me. And only nice to me in Ramadan, by the way. She's like, when they're fasting, uh, they're super nice. But, you know, when, uh, so she, she's aware, she knows, she tells us, she just preaches there, right? So we then struggle to navigate and understand ourselves and who we are within the space because. Rightfully so, you know, um, a religion, Islam specifically, the Prophet some said, it didn't come to replace your culture, it didn't come, but it came to harmonize, it came to harmonize with your culture. It didn't say, I'm here, your culture falls away. It says, I am here, what does your culture say? Let's harmonize. That's how it sort of it came, actually came to perfect your culture. Because maybe if your culture is here, then Islam comes with its tenets and its principles, you apply them to your culture and it, it, it harmonizes. But we, as um, black Muslims in South Africa, come from different cultures, whether it's Zulu, Tswana, Tosa, you know, Ndebele, are told to lose it. Part. Because we remember now the religion comes without the culture, and then, and then it says I came to harmonize with your culture. But in this country, in this context, the religion comes already packaged with the culture, and so your culture must fall away. So now you don't know who you are. You can't identify yourself. You were told to lose your name. Your name is Spusiso. Your name is Khumzo. You have beautiful names. It's not an Islamic name lose it, you know, you lose your languages, lose your heritage, lose your customer, cultural beliefs. So you then oh, look, look at things from a perspective of that space. Now, because you're looking at it from the perspective of that space, you can never excel because you are always someone who don't know. Because you must always be told what to do. You understand? You're always asked. So now you find that you have to navigate your own life, where you have to get married, you ask for lawala, when you have to bury the certain rituals, when you have to have a child born the certain things, food. You have to live in that society with your own families, but you can't because you feel like an outsider because everything about you is very different from what you see in the environment you're in. You can't, you don't know what to do. You don't know who to be. You know, you don't know how to exist and navigate yourself. 
remember one time when I was in class, the, the Maulana, of the teacher, he said, um, you know, all um, people, the Nasaras, uh, Christians are all going to China. And everyone was okay with it because they're all those predominantly Indian class. I mean, they are fifth, sixth generation Muslims. So it was very far. But for me, you say Nasara, they're going to Jahannam. I'm like, that's my grandmother. That's my aunt. That's my sister. That's my cousin. You know, it's very. So I asked the question. I'm like, you see, my grandmother who raised me. And it's you you understand. So it. But because of lack of proximity, it's very then easy to preach these things. And now, if you are coming from with 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 a perspective that is far removed from who you are, you also then uh, believe these things, and then you go back home and tell your grandmother, who's a Christian, and your sister and your aunt, that they're all going to China. You know, and so then it's like, what type of a religion is going on telling people they're going to hell? Yeah, just before they are. So, um, you know, the fact that uh, the Molana could, could say this and not have the sensi sensitivity and understanding that, um, you know, it's easy to say this and easy to preach that, you know, Nasaras or the Christians are going to, to, to hell and full stop. If you someone's a Christian, they're going to hell no matter how good they are whatever the case may be. Uh, hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It shows because they are very far removed from the reality of who we are as black Muslims. As black Muslims. And uh, because they come from their, 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 their community, which is a cocoon of, of what they know, of where they're from, or who they are. And, um, you know, there are five, six generations of Muslims, you know, and um, so it then becomes a very difficult, a very difficult and sometimes a very lonely and very um, um, depressing uh, um, depressing experience to, to become a Muslim who is black in this country um, because you have to you are sort of kind of put in a position where you are expected to lose who you are what you know where you're from your name you know and um, my name, uh, I, I have another name called Qaim, Qaim, you know, and I went by Qaim uh, from throughout high school and primary school, everyone called Qaim. But immediately after I matriculated, I decided that I will not go by the name. I want people to use the name that my parents gave me, which is Mazmoor, you know, because for me, 
it was, you know, the realization that for a long time we were told that our names are not Islamic, you know, that you have to lose your name and become a Muslim for instance. To find an Islamic name, you know, uh, is, and, and lose your name, you know, which is similar, uh, it's sort of similar to <laughs> what Christians do, you know, when they come and then they christen you and give you a name that is different from who you are, you know. But when you follow the teachings, you know, when Umar ibn Khattab became a, a Muslim, he remained as Umar ibn Khattab. You know, when Abu Bakr Siddiq became a Muslim, he remained as Abu Bakr Siddiq. You know, and the hadith of the Rasul tells us that give your children good names. Don't say give your children Arabic names. Or give your children, no, it says give them good names with good meaning. So in those few moments or few hadiths where Sahabas changed their names is because their names didn't have good meanings. So then when they then changed, they were given names with good meanings, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's trying to navigate ourselves. And the, the Muslims from West Africa who are predominantly minority, you know, and they have you know, I, they reason, I resonate with them a lot and I found a home there because they have managed to be and remain who they are as black people within this religion. And, 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 and they had managed to contribute their culture and contribute their, their, their identity within this religion. You know, I always say that if you would go to Hajj, you know, when you go to Hajj or Umrah, you are able to, by, 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 by dialect or how people carry themselves or how they dress, I'm not talking when they're wearing, you know, the haram, I'm just talking, but just how they carry themselves, the way they dress, the way they're able to tell where they're from and who they are. But in South Africa, you can never tell that there's a South African Muslim. You can never, because there's no identity that we have, but we have contributed towards the religion. I can tell by looking at that person that, okay, he's a Turkish Muslim. This is an Iranian Muslim. Or that's a, 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 a Saudi. That is a, a um, he's, he's, a, he's from a Sufi, but from Morocco. This is a Sufi from West Africa. This is Tijani, in the way they carry themselves, the way they dress, the way they speak, the way, what they do and what they say. But us, as Black South Africans, with our culture and who we are, you know, um, we there's nothing that we were allowed to contribute in this religion and bring who we are that could navigate and it could, that could could be infused and harmonized, you know, with this religion. So we then uh, 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 we are then. Then struggle to be who we because we come from, you know, um, the Zulu. There's, there's things that are called Amahubo. Amahubo is is the way is Vikir per se, but it was Vikir that was done for kings and 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 to to tell stories and those type of sit around the fire and 
recite amahubo to invoke spirits and all those types. That's who we are. It's hard. It's, you, when you when you hear amahubo, you feel it, right? Now, but you're not now then allowed to express that in the religion because you are so that's haram. You know, so you know how do you then take amahubo and 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 navigate that within your religion. Say, okay, these ones used to pray. How do we find that in our languages, in which we can, you know, in Zulu praise Allah in our language using the hope? And we can't do that. We, we don't even know how to do that. But in West Africa, the Murdia using Sheikh Al Ahmad Bamba Mbaki, they were able to write poems and narratives and use triots to which which was their culture as the Mandinkas and all of the, the their culture, the indigenous culture. They took that, they took that and then they, they placed it and expressed it in religion in, in their religion. That's why they, they are so proud they can be who they are. The Turkish have done the same thing. Right? Uh, with the devilish the, the devilish those people spin around that's, that's their culture as, as, you know, as the Turks from way back, even before the Ottoman, you understand? But that's who they are. That's part of, you know, the same thing with the Indo-Indians and, and all the Pakistani communities. A lot of these things come from who they are. And we, I mean, uh, when you listen to... Uh, What's called? I remember it now. But there's this recitation that is very in in the in, in those the ones that were green green turbans. Uh, you know of them, but they they I'll find the word right. Mm. But they do movie, you know. But they they took that and navigated and, and expressed that in there. In 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 in, the, in in Islam, you know, and and it's it, 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 it's it, it's who they are. It's part of. I don't know what they do. I don't know if you've seen it, but they do it. And they, when they gather and then they praise in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it says, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Mm, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I forgot the exact yeah, word for it yeah. myself, so but yeah, it's, it's, I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's part of it. It's part of it. And that's why it can be so seamless, right? Because it's part of who you are. It's, it's where you're from. So we also want to see ourselves represented within the spectrum, within the space. And we're just trying to navigate that. But it's very hard to navigate that because of the gatekeepers per se, if I can put it that way, not allowing that space, you know, because at the same time, I also believe it, it's an issue of power, you know, um, it, it's an issue of, of who controls the narrative and who controls what is said, you know, because once then that shifts, then we, we can start to poke holes in a lot of things. We can start to question a lot of things, you know, start to so to to look deep into this conservatism, this ultra conservatism that comes with you, you know what, what is known to be South African Islam. Everywhere else in the world, people look at South African Muslims and they're like, "You guys are so conservative." <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you know. But but like I said, if you look at the history, 
of where it comes from and why they did that, you know, you'll know why the structure is as strict as it is. Mm. In, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I really like your um, sort of discussion into humanizing these people as well. Is that, yeah, maybe there is an element of authoritarianism, there's an element of power. But ultimately, they are also operating from a human paradigm. If you look at the history and the context, there's a reason why they are the way they are and that they've created certain structures to keep things the way they are, so to speak. But I also liked your, you know, your discussion about West Africa and the Maliki Madhab in particular, because if I can just put my two cents in, one of the reasons why I am Maliki, you know, having um, a sort of Indo Park background myself, my parents, I guess they follow a version of the Hanafi Madhab, but you see, here's the thing. The Hanafi Madhab of that region is different from the Hanafi Madhab of Uzbekistan, for example, which is also majority Hanafi. Even Syria had many prominent um, ulama of the Hanafi Madhab. But yeah. these that manifestation of the Hanafi Madhab was definitely different from what my parents grew up with. So... Yeah. To cut a long story short, I'm sure if you go through some of my older episodes, maybe I go more in depth about some of the problems I, I faced with these people who were definitely taking more than a couple of pages out of the books of not just South African Muslims, but um, uh, conservative Muslims in general. And I find myself having an almost a crisis of faith because, yes, I admit that my background is that India, Pakistan, whatever, but you know, I am a Motswana myself. I was born in Khaburuni and I have more in common with Botswana than I have with those people. I mean, yes, I speak both languages. But I just feel this is my home. And then you are constantly telling me that, no, um, I can't do this or I can't speak this way. I can't be friends with that guy, even though he's Muslim, but because his upbringing is different, he might lead me astray because they do that. And so I just got tired of it. And I actually asked myself, is Islam worth following anymore? I had to ask myself that question. And ultimately I came to the conclusion that I don't have a problem with Islam. I don't have a problem with affirming God's message, Allah. I don't have a, a problem with affirming the message of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I just have an issue with these people and their very strict and weird interpretation of it. And it's interesting that that's also when COVID hit and we all found ourselves locked down at home with practically nothing to do. And it's at this time that my Ustad, Sidi Iqbal, decided to start teaching the Maliki Madhab online, Murshid al-Mu'in. I jumped in and that this is truly a like something from Allah. Like I can't, you know, have any other explanation for it. That book that he was teaching goes through aqidah, belief. Then it goes through all the tenets of Islam, prayer, fasting, zakah, hajj, and ends off with a bit of Sufism as well, like the soul of how do you purify your heart. And that's why I fully embraced it. And I decided that I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am anymore. And I hope the viewers and the audience can also resonate with this, that you don't have to be ashamed of who you are to be a good Muslim. And personally, that's why I gravitated with and chose the Maliki Madhab. So, mm. Alhamdulillah, I, I really resonated with that. Um, but brother and Kazi, to sort of come to the conclusion, this is the part where I hand it over to yourself to ask me a question or a series of questions and see what we can unearth. 
because earlier today I had Melati from Australia and she actually touched on a couple of secrets. So let's see what you can do, inshallah. Okay. Um, firstly, you know, I, I'd like to commend you. Um, I think I think it has it has a lot to do with Botswana uh, water, you know, uh, and 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 the people, you know, of 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 Botswana, you know, Botswana Botswana people in this in general. Uh, you, um, you have managed to to be, um, and it's a very difficult thing to do. Which I said earlier that you know, even when you are born a Muslim, at some stage you're gonna to have to convert, right? And by saying convert, you have to choose your path, your path, which you know may not be easy to follow because sometimes you're moving away from what your parents know. Sometimes you're moving away from what your community says. And it's a very difficult thing to do, right? But then you then it makes you understand the experience of a revert, or it, it makes you understand the, uh, and, and, and empathize to, to the experience of a revert coming into this community. It's completely different having to leave behind something that they've known and were very much, you know, it's a very important structure in their lives. So I'd like to commend you for that being able to take that decision, you know, and being able to, to follow through to it and being able to look at yourself because it's a very difficult thing to do to say, I, the communities or the, the, the identities I belong to can be problematic through the humans who belong to the space, uh, this community are problematic in how they impose this religion. And it's making me, putting me in a position where I'm struggling now to follow it. But there must be there must be more to this, you know. Um, what I want to understand, you know, the question I have for you with what I just said is how then, how do you, how are you able to identify how like yourself? You know, as because you like you strongly unashamedly see yourself as Mutwana. Yeah, you know, you, 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 and like I said, the language then comes with certain energies, the certain things you get to understand, you know, which cannot be translated that you can feel and the, 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 the customs and the beliefs and the treatment, the values and the, that comes with the, the gift of knowing a language, a speaking a language. You know, how are you able to, um, do you feel like an outsider, you know, from, from a, from a perspective of, I am told I am this, but I don't feel like, 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 you know, you know, with the, with the, the, the transgender community, (laughs) (laughs) and they say, they say, you know, I, 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 what you see is a woman, but I don't feel like one. I feel like a man, you know. <laughs> so I therefore identify as a man, you know. Um, do, you, do you feel you trans <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, That's uh, yeah, that's a loaded term, the trans 
So, <laughs> okay, now, first of all, Jazakallah Khairan Shukran for the commendation. I truly appreciate it. Um, I, I don't do this necessarily for name and fame. I'm just trying to have insightful conversations and sort of have conversations about things which aren't being talked about but are important, as you may attest to having going through some of my older episodes and even this episode itself. Now, when it comes to the issue of identity, you know, identity is funny because identity really comes into play vis-a-vis something else. So, for example, if we are going to say Tswana people, it's Tswana people versus people who are not Tswana. So if you're not Tswana, maybe you are Zulu, maybe you're Ndebele or something like that. So mm. if everyone in the world was Tswana, we wouldn't have to demarcate people on the fact that they are Tswana because everyone's a Tswana, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's the weird thing about identity. And yeah. it's interesting that you bring up language as well because, and you did kind of allude earlier about um, when you said something along the lines of, well, South Africa is not like Botswana, you know, like you guys are speaking Setswana. Um, I, I think I need to put out a disclaimer that not everyone of an Indian origin like myself in Botswana necessarily speaks Setswana, even though mm. they may be like third or fourth generation, but like mm. South Africa, and then this is the problem that they are taking a page out of the South African book. There's this narrative mm. that to be a good Muslim, you must be like those guys. Okay. Mm. And that, that's something that I had an issue with, which is what ultimately led to me being the way I am today. Mm. So they are also rather insular. And I know I am very weird that I speak Setswana, maybe not as good as I should, but I do make an effort. And I do feel that it is my language at the end of the day. The interesting thing is that before we were on air, we were speaking about my father's sort of bloodline and my mother as well where they sort yeah. of come from and i touched on this in my episode of talib razi because he asked me what are the similarities you find between the culture that your parents came with and then the culture that you grew up with which is the culture of botswana so yeah. you know i had to sort of lay the groundwork kolkata which is my father's hometown is like the black sheep of india so mm all the things that we mentioned about South African conservatism and Islam, I'm not saying that they don't exist in Kolkata. They probably do in some shape and form, but by and large, the people of Kolkata are very open-minded, welcome to new ideas, accommodating. And that is the sort of trajectory my father grew up with and that he passed on to me here in Botswana. Mm. So there was never this notion of my father wanting me to do this or be a certain way talk a certain way or so on and so forth because he also you know if i moved to for example china and i married a girl from botswana we have to acknowledge the fact that he's growing up in china he's going to have a different human experience and he might feel more at home in china than he will back in palape or something like that so i guess my father was also resigned to that fate somewhat that he's not going to feel for india or pakistan or bangladesh in the same way that we do because he will go there, yeah, he'll visit, but he won't have that same connection. He won't have that same experience. The stories that he will tell himself will not be the same. So I always mm -hmm. identified with Botswana more than any other country in the world. And I must say, personally speaking, that my experience here has been very welcoming. Like on the phone, 
as a lawyer, you know, I speak to people sometimes in Satana and we'll have a conversation. They'll come to the office and then they'll look at me and like, wait, you are the guy on the phone. Like, we thought you were black. And I'm like, well, 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 I am black according to apartheid classifications because I sure as hell am not white. But yeah, I mean, that's the sort of the vibe I get. And I don't know if that would be the same thing if I did that in South Africa, if I was to speak Zulu or something, because I'm sure they'd just be shocked or something. Or maybe they yeah. identify me as a poser or something. But here people are genuinely, you know, I, I literally got told this in high school. So like someone literally told me he was black. He said to me, listen, man, you just have that light skin about you, but you're just the same as us. You're black. So that's what he told me. And I didn't ask him to say that. We were just, I don't know, hanging out after playing soccer or something. And I, I know that there will be people who disagree or maybe who don't see me as Tsana enough, but whatever. I mean, I can't live with people's sensibilities and sensitivities. If I had to draw the line with those hyper-conservative quote-unquote Hanafis and find my yeah. own way in life, then I'm going to have to yeah. do the same thing with other people who may seek to differ. I mean, the Quran says, Lakum To you is your religion and to me is mine. So, yes, yes I do identify as Mutana. I'm not going to ever deny where my parents came from or where my grandparents came from because me identifying as Mutana is literally an extension of everything that they stood for my ancestors I'm speaking of and everything that they fought for. And my father yeah. always tells me, you know, my grandfather who named me, I, he, he passed away when I was like five years old, but yeah. I would love to believe that he would be proud of me for identifying as Mutsuana because this is an extension of everything he fought for in India whilst it was going through its partition. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question somewhat. No, 100% it does. It does, and it even it, it sparks my next question, which is basically, um, how what what then do you believe should be done um, to create a more open space within the Indian Pakistani community to allow, um, you know, the, the the existence and the presence of Black Muslims, any other Muslim outside of the space that, that, that they're in. Because, I mean, we've discovered, or rather, I touched on, I'm sure you can give an extensive answer to the why they are like this. You know, now the question is, what then do we do? When, what do you think? You, because you are, uh, 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 or I'd say, you're an example of what, can, or what, what an outcome can be of if this is the path that is for you. But that's on an individual basis. You know, it's an individual choice. Now, on a communal basis, because I always say to people who always say, um, like, you find uh, white people who want to fight racism, or Indian people who had an Indian friend, his name is Imran, very good friend of mine, very close. He, 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 he was a very different too, you know. He... Um, because of, of the type of community he comes I mean, if also parents he has, you know, uh, he was very open-minded, you know, despite everything that was happening. And we're very, we're very close. So up until this day, you know, his children, my children, they, and, and, like, they have a bond because of that. But then um, I've always said to him, 
you know, uh, in order for you to find praises, it doesn't help you coming to us, black people, and say, hey, I'm a racist, you know, because uh, that's okay, all right, all right, good, we, we appreciate that. But then what are you doing to fight it within your community? And what do you think should be done in order to change your community? Because that's where it matters. That's where your, the fight is needed. So so likewise, I'm sending the question to you. That what do you think should be done? What would you want to do? And 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 um, do you think it, it can be done? Um, that's a very loaded question and one that I would happily love to attempt. So I, I'm going to attempt and I don't know how much justice I can do, but I ask a lot to give me the tawfiq, the ability to give it its due respect and due diligence. So yeah. I think it starts from when you're very young. So you mentioned myself as a sort of example, and it is an individual sort of basis. I think one thing that my parents always made sure me growing up, especially in a place like Palape or even Mahalape, like these places where the population of Indian people or Asian people in general, back then anyway, was really small. We might have been maybe 10 Asian kids in the whole town. And that tells you exactly how small the population was. So from a very young age, my father never made a distinction of you can only play with kids of your skin color or we only go and hang out with uh, people of that background or something like that because i i mentioned to you i was in palape this weekend and i was having a conversation with some friends who are also of asian origin like myself and um they did also notice that it looks like there are still elements in today's society where indian will only hang out with indian pakistani will only hang out with pakistani so i think at a very basic level what needs to happen is and i had a conversation with mj khan who is from your neck of the woods he's from well he's from durban but now he lives in uh, johannesburg if you go to one of my episodes mufti gaming i asked him a similar question about because at that time his kid was just entering nursery so i asked him what are you going to do about it because you don't want your kid to end up as a nutcase so he said that i want my kid to be able to socialize and play with other people other people's kids of different backgrounds of different ethnicities so that they can socialize they can play they can just be kids and at the end of the day understand that you know he may look different to me but he can still be my best friend and he's still a human being i think if you plant the seed at that stage and obviously this is a very long process if you plant the seed there then that allows it to grow into something i'm not saying i'm perfect but something akin to what you see in front of you today where i am not isolationist i don't believe in this whole isolated community sort of thing and yeah and you can see that i've done whatever i can to break away from it so that's one sort of um aspect of the solution so to speak the other thing is um yeah apart from having people not just kids but even the adults have them socialize you know yeah there's an indian guy there make him socialize or ask him to you know go pay a visit to the pakistani uncle or the sri lankan uncle i don't know um it shouldn't just be 
yeah okay sometimes you just when you're a fledgling community i understand that whole thing that oh you want to be with people who maybe speak your language maybe you can speak english but your wife can't so his wife can help your wife out and stuff like that i understand that but as the generations progress the kids speak more english and more setana than whatever language the parents spoke at home so mm. if you're just going to isolate them then you're just exacerbating the problem you're basically asking for an accident to happen further down the road so that is one aspect you know get them socializing with people of other backgrounds early the other one i don't actually have experience with but i am inclined to believe that it would have some effect so i was once reading an article on muslim arc that's anti racism collaborative it's an american uh, sort of organization i think they're still operating So one of the things that they said that Muslims can do in particular to reduce the level of racism in their communities that's how they phrased it is have lectures in Urdu in Gujarati in Hindi in Bengali in Tamil whatever about why this is not something we should practice and why it is basically the sunnah of shaitan i don't use that term lightly but it is the sunnah of shaitan why it's a deplorable act why the sahaba radiyallahu anhum when they went to different lands they didn't seek to eradicate people's cultures they respected them and that is how islam spread to places like indonesia the the mm. country with the highest population of muslims it's not because they went there and started you know killing people and doing all sorts of stuff they went there as tradesmen they integrated into the culture the culture of indonesia still stands but it also mm. has you know we've seen the spread of islam to such monumental levels so those sorts of talks need to be given although these people might understand english in their native languages because it just has an effect i believe it's nelson mandela's quote there that when you speak to a man in his native language you penetrate the heart or something along that line so that would be my second prong to this solution of the problem that you've presented before me those are some of the things that do come to mind I'm sure we could definitely expand upon them as time goes on but yes. I guess those two would be my mainstays for now and I hope I've made an attempt to answer your question or shed some light on it. No yeah but yeah, you have you know um you 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 touched on something very 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 um interesting and 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 I mean, it 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 also goes back to this uh idea of language that i keep emphasizing you know the importance of it and um and and the importance of of just of speaking in people's languages and allowing that to to you know to just be a a a to be what you use as a means of getting them to understand getting them to hear in their own self, in their own language, in what they know, what they're doing is wrong, or what they're doing is right, whatever it, it, the case may be. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, I know we moved away, like a, a far, far, far away, but, you know, in the beginning we spoke on, on this thing of socialism and communism. Yeah, and obviously these all of these things tie down together eventually. But like, I'm curious in in understand in in getting to know what you subscribe to 
in terms of these classifications and what and how do you if you do subscribe to any of these things how do you navigate that you know are using the perspective and experience of being a muslim of being a, a maliki and being a lawyer <laughs> a very 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 important yeah 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 absolutely and once again i will attempt to answer your question and this might be the most unremarkable of all the answers that i've given you tonight in terms of you know socialism communism and all that stuff i think i'm still figuring it out honestly speaking because one thing is for sure it i am pretty much anti capitalism and anti exploitation and we've seen what imperialism and colonialism can do in the african continent in the asian continent practically the whole world we've seen the devastating effects of it mm. and we live in a time of neoliberalism or even neocolonialism so to speak so i'm still figuring a lot of that out um i don't know if being anti capitalist automatically puts me into the camp of uh, socialism or marxism i would assume that you know you have to take on a couple of more things than just being anti capitalist to be fully inducted into those ranks so to speak so perhaps i'm not all the way there but i do definitely read a lot of authors from all those sorts of camps and i'm listening to a lot of professor richard wolf he's on youtube he's got a channel called uh, democracy now so he is a socialist and he's american by the way so now that should give you a perspective cuz he's lived through the cold war and he's got a lot of amazing insights as to what communism actually is what socialism actually is and what propaganda is in regards to these things because many of us okay i don't know how old you are but uh, i know that i was definitely born a couple of years after the cold war ended so our information so to speak or the information that you'd get back in those days about what these things are would be really convoluted and really trying to steer you in a certain direction to go and take a certain side so he does a lot of detaching the actual information from the propaganda that was actually siphoned so i'm liking what i'm listening to so far um but i'm not exactly sure that i fully call myself a communist or a socialist that being said in terms of being a maliki in terms of being a lawyer you know i have to sort of live with these contradictions yeah i hate capitalism but unfortunately we live in a capitalist society so until and unless we can find a way to really revamp the system if we can use the word revolution until and un- un- unless that time comes then we have to live within the society as best as we can and i don't know how much of an effect or i can't quantify how much of an effect it can have but i do try to go out of my way and you know spend in righteous causes try to uplift people who may be struggling in my own sort of way and doesn't always have to be in a monetary sort of capacity even if it's just spending extra time with someone who i know doesn't have a lot of people to hang out with or something like that and yeah as far as the lawyer thing like i said i'm still pretty new to the game and you know like yourself the money is good the pay is good it's got a lot of benefits so i guess i'd need to let that simmer as well for a little longer before i can give you a proper answer as to what i'm going to do you found a good niche for yourself with khasiriti and seeing how you can take that to the next level 
I'm also trying to figure a couple of things out. So inshallah, we'll be in touch and I'll let you know how it's going and what I've unearthed in this journey of mine. Inshallah. So we've been going on for quite a while, brother, alhamdulillah. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we're going to have to do a lot more than just one because you've got a lot of gems and insight. So let's stay in touch, brother. You're our neighbor. So inshallah, if you're ever in Botswana, give me a shout. I'll let you know if I'm ever that side in Josie. And yeah, well, Jazakallah khairan for taking time out of your night. Tomorrow's a Monday. We're all going back to the rat race. But we had yes. an interesting time. Where can our audience find you, brother? Which platforms are you on? Uh, Instagram. Ngozi underscore Ngazi. N-K-O-S-I underscore N-K-A-Z-I. Right. Yeah. I think other than that, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty much. Okay. Now, mashallah, yeah. we'll leave a link to that in the description below. And if you thank you very much for seeing this through to the end, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you're using an audio platform. All of these things drive up the algorithm as well as commenting. So let us know how it was for you. A special shout out once again to our sponsors, Alpha House of Fashion, Baseline Media Intellects and Batch by Zahra. The Ko-fi and Patreon links for donations are live and down below. Remember to donate only if you have the means to do so. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum, peace.